0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. Stand to your feet and turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. It's just, um... Really real simple today. Um, We're celebrating. I'm not trying to give you anything new. Just want you to celebrate what God has done. Um, Celebrate what God has done. When you get there, say amen. amen. Reading from the ESV version of the Bible. Don't be mad at me. Just reading these verses. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Somebody say follow me. All the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Today if I could tag this text very very quickly in this brief time that we have together I'd like to take for a topic to this text. He's still shepherding us. He's still shepherding us. You, you, you look, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor, when I look back over my life and see how God has been taking care of me, he's still shepherding me. That person I feeling, like you look on the other side. Say, neighbor, neighbor, I just want to let you know something. When I look back over my life, it's extremely clear to me that after all I've been through, All the hell I've been through, all the frustrations I've been through, God is still shepherding me. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, We are in a reality TV show culture. And in this culture... We find ourselves seeing people utilizing the TV platform for cultural nonsense. If you looked at the TV, you would think black men and black women hate each other all the time. I mean, there's beef everywhere, frustration everywhere, catfighting everywhere as a display of ignorance. And one of the most interesting things that I look at and I see on the show, that's an interesting caricature of even uh, of this generation as the millennial generation is coming up and coming to maturity, is there's this boss culture. Oh, y'all not going to talk back to me. <laughs> there, there is this boss culture. <clears throat> That is coming up in our world where people are like, I'm I'm about to boss up, you know what I'm saying? I'm about to get my boss chick on. I know nobody don't do that in Houston, Texas, but in Philadelphia, uh, there is rash entrepreneurialism um, that's going on. Not because people necessarily have the ability to run the business or to boss up, but because they want unsubmissive autonomy. And and what's happening is is this commitment to unsubmissive autonomy is causing people to have a lifestyle and a mindset where they want to run things but not be under anyone or anything. In other words, there's a renegade disposition that views being under authority, being submissive, being guided, and being led as a problem or capping you in your purpose. Uh, um, But it's impossible when you are a Christian to not recognize that being under someone doesn't cap your purpose, but if you're under the right leader, it exalts your purpose. As a matter of fact, I, I, I don't know about you, but every now and then when you submit under the right leadership, submit under the right teaching, submit under the right preaching, and submit under the right word of God, something just happens. Even though your flesh doesn't like it, your soul begins to transition. And so we come to a passage that is not unfamiliar to most if you've been a Christian for any amount of time. As a matter of fact, second or first of John 316 is Psalm 23. Uh, our, our people know some way, shape or form find comfort in Psalm 23. And we see a boss here. Okay, let, let me, let me, let me say something See, see, this is boss up for real, for real. This is not phony bossing up. This is not Siroc bossing up. Um, Y'all not going to talk back to me. This is not a a gold bottle bossing up. Um, This is not clothing line and boutique bossing up. This is eternally bossing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and what's interesting is that if you look in the context of the passage, it's it's a king, a shepherd king, recognizing that he has the highest position in the theocratic rule of God in the world, yet he sees the need to be up under somebody. Oh, let let me me explain something to you. The higher God takes you, the more submissiveness to him you need. And, and, And so David begins to strum his harp and begins to write in the studio of the caves of Israel And as he begins to strum and he begins to think about his time as a shepherd boy um, in the wilderness, uh, alone left out there and daddy not even thinking about him, he begins thinking about the fact that even though my mama wasn't thinking about me, even though my daddy wasn't thinking about me, even though my brothers and cousins and them wasn't thinking about me, the Lord was thinking about me. And so he begins to write a song that is a passionate soliloquy of one who recognizes that God is the only person that can really take good care of him. As a matter of fact, he looks over his life and he can see the fingerprint of God constantly shepherding him, strengthening him, and caring for him. Which brings me to my first point. If you're going to recognize that he's still shepherding you, number one, you got to recognize that God provides relationship. The Lord provides relationship. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I like that. I like the fact that he gives the surname of the covenant-making God as communicating that he's his shepherd. It's a lot of things that he could have said uh, was shepherding him or leading him or guiding him, family of God. But what's interesting enough here in this passage is he begins to say, the lord is my shepherd now the question is who is the lord if you notice in some texts it has it as all caps when it has it as all caps it's talking about the covenant making god that means the one that didn't wait for you to get ready to get in a relationship with him he came after you and pulled you into a relationship with him oh y'all not listen to that in other words god calling himself lord points to the fact that I brought you into a relationship with me and there's not anything that you can do to get out of a relationship with me. This is the same God that spoke into darkness and light said, move out of the way. God said, come into existence. It's the same God that spoke and land had to form together. This God, it's the same God that when Moses held up his staff in the wilderness and he began to hold it, uh, uh, the fire back, uh, uh, from, uh, uh, Egypt, uh, the, the, the Red Sea parted this is the same God who protected Noah in the ark and in the midst of all of that kept them to start over anew the Lord he's saying the one who sits high but looks low is my shepherd I like that reality that he's showing not only the transcendence of God being way up in the sky somewhere, but he's also imminent enough to have intimate, connective activity to me. But it also points to lordship, points to the fact of two more things. God's loyalty towards you, we'll come back to that later, and, 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 and also God's commitment to cause us to be submissive unto him. Now, when he talked about the Lord being his shepherd, he could have wrote on a bunch of things. He could have wrote on a bunch of things about the Lord, but it's interestingly enough, he uses the word shepherd instead of Yahweh Elion, the God most high, or Yahweh Jari, the Lord who provides or Yahweh sanctifier, or Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is our banner, Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals, Yahweh uh, Shalom, the Lord our peace, or Yahweh Shema, the Lord our presence, or Yahweh Sikhanu, the Lord our righteousness, but he used Yahweh Roy. He says the Lord could have been a bunch of things, but he's my shepherd. When God is pointed to as our shepherd, it points to several things that he lead us he feeds us, he cares for us, he knows us, and he protects us. Well, let me say that one more time. A shepherd leads, feeds, cares knows and protects. We're gonna see all of that in here. Leading, he guides you. Feeds, he makes sure that he takes care of you. Uh, 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 Care means he binds up your wounds. Uh, Know means he's intimately knowledgeable of you. Uh, Protect means he'll make hell move out of the way just to be with you. He protects you. So the idea of shepherd is intimate terminology. Uh, It means to enable or to nourish, or to strengthen those under your charge. Uh, In other words, I don't know why, God being our shepherd, we can be fools sometimes. I don't know what's wrong with us that we don't realize that he's the best place to take ourselves to if he's our shepherd. Uh, okay. <clears throat> see, see, I know none of y'all ever go to any other places to get help, but every now and then I make a stupid move. Let me see if I can make it plain. Um, we used to live in Houston uh, 15 years ago, and, and money was extremely tight. And so we, my wife had a, a teal Honda Accord coupe that she from 1989 that had about 250,000 miles on it still running but our oil was leaking and we had issues with it and so we was like man money a little tight oil leaking we don't know what in the world this is so maybe we ought to take it to the dime we can't take it to the dealer because we felt like they were tripping you know with the pricing if anybody run a dealership i'm sorry but um you know we thought they may be tripping on the pricing so old buddy told us oh hey hey, yo man let me tell you something my cousin my brother around the corner you know what i'm saying hundred dollars $100. $100. Take it to my brother around the corner. So I'm like, perfect. $100 to fix the situation. Man, praise God. Took the Boom. Took the car around the corner. Took it around the fifth ward. Amen. We looked around before we got out the car. We got out the car. <laughs> let it on the side of the road and it was a little rough because he was doing it outside amen amen in the in the humidified elements of houston texas in the middle of summer amen 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 left it with him he said it was ready paid him the hundred dollars came back and um (laughs) um he he tore our car up (laughs) tore it up so we took it to the dealer And when we took it to the dealer, the dealer looked at me. He just looked at me and stared at me when he put the car up. Because the dude had sprayed silver and chrome all up under there to seal up the plate. tore the car up. And and the the dealer says, where did you take your car to? And I I was like, don't worry about that. Can, Can you tell me what's wrong with my car? Don't be asking me no questions, right? And he began to tell me, he said, I don't know who did this. He says, but I am a manufacturing engineer. In other words, I'm a certified outlet because this car was made by this company. And because it was made by this company, you shouldn't be taking this to illegitimate outlets. And he said, if you would have brought the car to me, in the first place you would have paid less money wasted less time and it would have cost you a little bit it would have cost you a little bit but guess what it would have been fixed in the first place i just want to ask you today how many of you have been taking yourself to non-manufacturing outlets for your soul How many of you have been taking what God has made? If God manufactured your body, if he took the time to form you out of the dust of the ground, if he took the time to take the rib out of the man to form a woman, why in the world would you put yourself in the care of a fool, care of a nitwit versus the care of the Lord? And when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I think he learned a lesson. He learned a lesson from taking himself to foolish outlets that can do nothing. Come here, Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, uh, why have you forsaken your glory? Taking yourself uh, broken cisterns, cisterns that can hold no water at all. But I am the fountain of living water. That means God brings unending satisfaction. That nothing else and no one else can provide. So, David says, The Lord is my shepherd. But what's interestingly enough about that is he didn't leave it there. Everything else in the passage explains why and how the Lord is your shepherd. And so, and y'all still struggling with me, right? And so, and so, what he begins to beginning, is he said, We shall not want. Oh, man. Oh, man, it, it means that God is enough. Okay, y'all, y'all, y'all didn't get that. Let me say it one more time. One more again. God is enough. In other words, when you're in a relationship with the Lord, you may not have your greeds, but you will have your needs. <laughs> but see, the problem with us is we have central needs, that are really greeds but because we're so spoiled we call greeds needs and so when God doesn't do above what He has, what you think he has to do, you begin to act like God hasn't been taking care of you because you've made things on the outskirts of your needs, needs when God is saying, listen, I've been taking care of your crazy butt when you ain't have nothing in the bank. I've been taking care of your crazy butt when you was losing your mind. I was taking care of your butt when you was acting a fool. Let me tell you something. Did you ever lack food on the table? Did you ever lack shelter? Did you ever lack clothes on your back? The Lord is my shepherd I shall not yeah I don't have to want for anything I, I'm so glad that I have a relationship with God and that I don't have to earn being taken care of but that because he's so good and because he's so great he automatically takes care of me when it comes to a relationship with God he has a direct deposit relationship with me uh, I shall Not want. When we talk about this reality of God doing what only he can do to take care of us, we begin to seek and sense the glory and might of who he is. Next point. Next point. The Lord provides relationship. (laughs) But the next thing, I want to park here for a while. That the Lord provides. The Lord provides replenishment and rest. This right here is the hard one. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. Help me today, Holy Ghost. What's interesting here? is that you can read he makes me lie down and not realize that here is a synonymous parallelism. What I mean by a synonymous parallelism is because this is poetic literature, he's repeating with emphasis two statements saying the same thing in a different way. So when he says he makes me lie down and he leads me, it's him saying the same thing now. He makes me isn't imperatival. In other words, it's not an imperative, like God ain't grabbing sheep by the neck like, get your butt down and drink, a shepherd wouldn't do that. That, That's not the sense of it. The sense of the text here is God providing rest for the sheep to sit their butt down sometimes. Okay, In, in, in other words, God doesn't make you rest. He provides opportunities for you to rest. The question on the floor is, is if he provides an opportunity for you to rest and be replenished, will you take it? Uh, statistics say that Americans work real, real hard and work just to work. Around the world, other people work in order to enjoy what they worked for. And let me see if I can make a plan. See, some of us in corporate world, you know, this, this is how rushed our culture is about rest. If you ever work in a real job, I'm not talking about a real job, where it's lunchtime, you know, people don't even leave no more. Let me tell you why. You leave, you looked at as a slacker. You know what I'm saying? So you got to bring your lunch, eat, and like tight with the other hand. Because the culture trains us to grind hard and not rest. Even the Mexican folk know they need a siesta ministry. See, and we need to bring that anointing to America, a nap ministry, get back up and work, pat out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, but we work, we just typing. Then we, t- we go in earlier, we stay in later, we stack up vacation that we didn't use. We got two weeks, another year, three weeks, we got 15 weeks, we got 100 weeks. By the time we retire, they don't even give you the money for the time that you. <sighs> and they don't wore you out. You got high blood pressure. You get you having heart attacks. Um, you got you got all you taking 15 different types of medicines. And that company done moved on, and they done hired somebody else. And you over here looking like you play football or WWF wrestling because your body so tore up from you working hard for somebody that don't want you to rest. But I know a God. You better learn how to rest. Let me see if I can make it plain. Let me let me see if I can make it plain. My, my sons, I every now and then I take them, because I got four kids now. And them Negros can eat. They can eat. Hallelujah. Um, for eating ministries. I'll take them to the buffet. I'll take them to the buffet. And um and I'll take them to the buffet, and we go sit down at the buffet and um my six-year-old, well, he's seven now. My seven-year-old acting like he don't want to eat. Now, I mean we got General Souls chicken. We got ice cream pizza, spot stickers, shrimp, crabs, all different types of ministry in the atmosphere. It's ministry everywhere. I mean, you take your pick to do the, what you want and he hit that thing up, yak out for you real fresh. Lo-mein, all of that. mugu got pain, all that. Don't even know what's in it. We just... <sighs> I don't even know what's in that mug, but uh, whoo, help us, God. But all of this stuff is available to him and he act like he don't want to eat. But you know what happens, right? He gets home, then he's hungry. And I said, son, there was a buffet available to you. And you should have took the moment that I gave you to eat. And if you would have taken the time that, don't worry about what nobody else gives you, if you would have took the time that I gave you to maximize the buffet of enjoyment that I had made available to you, That time is over now. It's time to get back to work. You should have ate and you should have enjoyed and you should have rested when I gave you the opportunity. Let me just tell y'all today something, people of God. You better learn how to take the opportunities that God give you to rest to sit down and to enjoy him and to be with him and to experience him and to feel his presence again and to get in his word and to worship. I'm not talking about the Sunday morning gathering. I'm just talking about you and your shepherd. Yeah, God is so powerful that he will anoint times for you to rest. Don't let anybody run you in the ground. One of the things that's going to help this ministry to go on is taking times to be replenished. Ministry is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you try to sprint your way through a marathon, you'll get a mile in with no breath. And so you have to take the time that the great and mighty God gives to give you these type of things. I like the fact that it says, he leads me. Where does he lead me? He leads me beside, beside the still waters. He also, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The shepherd would always take the sheep into places of enjoyment and plushness where they can feed and be replenished. Look what he says next, and I love love this reality of this. He said he restores my soul. I love this reality. Now when he talks about soul restoration, this word restore, it's interesting, means to bring back to original existence. Um, To restore your soul is interesting because what God wants to do is once he causes you to reflect and rest, he brings you back to... It literally means to be brought back to functionality again out of the dysfunctionality that you experience. In other words, the reason why we have years of dysfunction that we never get over... It's because we don't sit under the functional God to get us back on the same track that God caused us to get on again because we don't take the time to rest. I, I, um, my wife um, took me to this place called Lush in Philly. Now you are not on food with no cosmetics but cologne, regular lotion, and washing my face with some soap. But my wife showed me I got blackheads all in my skin and so she took me to this lush place, and the dude came up to me. He's like, come here, come in, come in!" And he put his wrist out and put the little stuff on his wrist. I was doing like this a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, and so um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I shouldn't have done that. Um, and what he, what, he, what he began to do was he began to put this mask on my face. And he says, don't move at all. Just put the mask on your face and it's going to harden, it's going to itch, it's going to irritate a little bit, but it's going to pull up deep things in your skin that's been pushing in and hurting you and causing your face to be unhealthy. But if you rest your face and your facial muscles long enough under the pulling work of the mask, somebody going to hear me in a second. if you rest under the pulling mask just long enough, the stuff that's down in deep, the stuff that's made its way into my skin, the stuff that's causing irritations, the stuff that even is causing me to get ugly. It's going to get pulled up. And he says once it's finished after this amount of time, all you got to do is wash it off. All I'm trying to tell you today is if you rest for a while, there's some things on you that God wants to pull out of you, but you gotta let him put the hard stuff on you so that it can dry up on you and pull out frustrations, pull out hell, pull out brokenness, pull out bad experiences, pull out broken relationships, Pull out hurt from years ago. Pull out molestation. And when he gets finished working on you, all you got to do is get out of the blood and wash it off. It. Wash it off. Wash it. Look at somebody and say, wash it off. I it. Look at somebody on the other side and say, you better wash it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When God restores your soul, and I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I like it now. Your skin you can feel the wind blow. Oh man. I you the air in the environment that God created go all through your poor. You'd be like, whoa, you just like this. I'm like a dog. I just roll down the window, put my head out the car like one of them dogs. Because when your soul isn't restored, there are things that you can't enjoy. And when, you, and when God begins removing stuff out from under the pores of your soul, you, you simple things feel like a vacation. And, so, and so, so David begins to help us with this reality of God restoring and working on and nurturing our soul. Oh, man, let me move. Uh, let me move. Next point. I think I'll just move down to the next point. Uh, when the Lord does this, He does it in an interesting way. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Paths of righteousness is interesting because it means you can't you can't walk in the places that are clear until you've been cleared up. You, you, listen, listen, you can't walk in righteousness until you get under Christ Jesus in a particular way and let him do surgery on your soul. And when he does surgery on your soul, you just see differently. Stuff that you didn't know was foolishness. He said, oh, that's foolishness. He said, oh, that homegirl girl a fool. I'm leaving her alone. Oh, boy, you're a fool. Fall back. The blood of Jesus is on you. Let me, let me, uh, be, be, uh, because he said, he, you walk you through the paths of righteousness. That means that you begin to see stupidity for what stupidity is. But he's not doing it merely for you. He's doing it because you have an endorsement deal with him. And that endorsement deal means that you wear his name. And when you begin to wear his name and you put on the gear of God and you begin to walk through life and show him off in a powerful way, people begin to look at what God is doing in your life, the things he's helping you to get over, the things he's helping you to get under, and his name begins to go out. But you got to live for his name, not your own name. See, that's the problem with one of, many of us. We want our name mentioned, not God's name mentioned. But he leads you in the path of doing right so that his name can be maximized and seen. Ah, let me get to my next point. Next, the Lord does something powerful. He provides Pastor Blake reassurance. Her people need reassurance. Look at what he says. Even though I walk through, underline that, the valley of the shadow of death, I would fear no evil. So let let me see if I can make this plain. So what's interesting is that when the shepherd would take the sheep out, sometimes when they came off the mountain of lush enjoyment they went into dark valleys for pasture and sheep if you've ever seen a sheep before sheep have very strong senses have very strong senses but their eyes are on the side of their head even though they have good sight they can only see that way they can't see really good that way that way or that way And so what would happen, family of God, is they have high sense of smell. That's where their nose is on top of their situation. And their ears are very keen. Now, the problem is when it gets dark and you have high senses and you can't fight for yourself, you get real nervous. So what would happen sometimes, oh God help me. When they would be in the valley, the shepherd would be awake walking around them. And what would happen is they would hear coyotes and they would hear lions and they would hear wolf. And when they hear them, because their senses are so high, but they can't see where it's coming from, they begin to get nervous. And so the shepherd being close to them, See, when the shepherd's close to you, he knows when you're nervous. And so he knows when you're shivering. And he knows when you're getting a little nervous because of what's going on around you. And so what he would do, family of God, is the shepherd, the Bible says, his rod and his staff comfort me. What's interesting, oh, God help me, what the shepherd would do when he sensed fear Because he knew his sheep really, really well. Remember, a shepherd lead, feed, cares, knows, and protect. And so as he knows his sheep, he, he gets beside the sheep that he knows gets a little nervous. And what he'll begin to do is as they get nervous, he'll take out his rod and staff and just do like this real quick. That's all he'll do. He'll just nudge them, plaster Blake, and the sheep just stop shivering as soon as the shepherd such as them in other words you can get nervous all you want and you can feel like the shepherd is not there but every now and then the shepherd will sense that you're nervous and the shepherd will just come up to you and he'll just nudge you and you'll be like you'll be shivering at first as soon as he touches you you go oh okay oh help me today god you ever been through something where you're fearful that everything is going to fall away. You ever been through something where you thought the bottom was going to fall out on you. But the Lord God had to let you know that he's still present. You got to be nudged by God every now and then. But the other reason you ain't got to fear when you go through. I like the fact that you go through. When you go through the valley, the other reason you don't have to fear. Because the Because the shepherd leads. He feeds, he cares, he knows, and guess what else he do? He protects. Oh, God. So when a wolf tries to run up on the side of the flock to try to bite at you, the shepherd does some kung fu ministry. He's a bow. Some try to come on this side, bow. In other words, the shepherd won't let, he'll let you hear the sounds, but he won't let them bite you. See, the way to grow is to know something's outward there, but also the way to enjoy and grow in God is to know that it got near you, but it didn't protect, it didn't hurt you. And so when, when God does this in your life, when God does this in your life and he allows the barks of the world to come up in your experience, It's to grow you spiritually so that he can walk you through those valleys. Because know this, you go through the valleys, you're not pitching a tent in the valley. You got to stop pitching a tent in the valley. Some of y'all, God done already brought you out and your tent's still in the valley. Somebody need to go back and collect some items. Because God has been taking care of you all the time. And so he goes further as he begins to help the people of God talk through and work through defense against president, pre- predators and all of these different things. Next, the Lord provides recompense. It <laughs> says right here you prepare a table. Wow. Before me in the present. Now, in the presence of haterade, uh, (laughs) y'all not going to talk back to me. See, God could do it from a distance, but he chooses to do it up close, and he chooses to do it publicly. Why? Because when he comforts you, he's bringing you to emotional health. And there's some people that want you to remain in the state that you were in. Because there are people in your life that are not in your life for the reasons you want them in your life. <laughs> because they're waiting for something bad to happen to you. In other words, they were P-R-E-Y-ing on your life, not pray Ying for your life. And so what happens is, is they wanted your downfall, not your spiritual come up. And when that begins to happen, and you keep your, see the key to this is keep your mouth closed. Preach, preacher. Some of y'all need to let the Lord fight for you. But some of y'all from back in the day used to Vaseline and taking your earrings off. And fighting for yourself but if you would let the Lord do it he'll do you just keep your mouth closed you when they cuss you out just smile when they hate on you just smile and just say the Lord bless you real good because one day this is interesting the imagery in the text pastor Blake even though it's under the shepherd it goes from shepherd to household leader And what what happens here in in this part of the text is the imagery sort of changes, yet it's under the idea of shepherd. Look what it says. You prepare a table for me, before me in the presence of my enemies. I like this. So what God does is, it's it's like people in being invited to an event at a castle. And then everybody coming up there, you know everybody in the city, it's like a Diddy birthday party. Everybody coming through. Some of y'all don't even know, I'm sorry. Um, Nat King Cole, I don't know um, pff, Help me And so everybody's coming up and, 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 and the leader of the home Sees you From afar And there are tables everywhere And there are no more seats left And what he'll do is he'll pick up a table Carry it to the front Put it to the front And what he'll do is he'll take The tablecloth Lie it out and say Bring them up here And what he's doing is he's shown you that even though others gave up on you, even though others cussed you out, even though others treated you bad, he wants you to know in the presence of everybody, I'm still willing to love on you and take care of you. And I love the fact that you feel rejected because that's an opportunity for me to build you up. And so he lays out these things in the presence of an enemy, but, 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 to, but to add ice into the cake. He don't just let you have the best table in the house. In front of the people, he invites your enemies to the party, not to exalt them, but to show them that God is still with you. Okay, let me see. Anyway, he, in, other, in other words, then, then he, he adds to it. What he does for you is what the woman with the alabaster box did for Jesus that's the context of the passage now here what he does is back in that day they wore sandals so you were pretty dirty so what they would do is the leader of the house this is what Jesus got this from in John 13 and he'll put the towel here in front of everybody wash the dirt off of you from life's travels in front of everybody Wash the dirt off your hair in front of everybody. Then he pours oil on your head and then begins to massage the places. In front of everybody. So that the might of his exaltation of his work in you that's not for you but really for his namesake can be seen in front of everybody. It's the might of God—it's the most powerful thing on the planet. That God would let you go through all of that, just as an opportunity to put you on display as a trophy of His grace. But then it doesn't end there. And I got zero minutes, and I'm out your way. I promise, I'm out your way. This is it. I'm out your way. I want to be submissive. Here, I'm out your way. And finally, finally, I mean, we saw that the Lord provides relationship. We saw that the Lord provides replenishment. We saw that the Lord provides reassurance and that the Lord provides recompense. Last but not least and briefly, the Lord promptly runs after you. (laughs) The Lord promptly runs after you. Look what it says. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall be in the house of the Lord forever. Okay. Goodness points to transcendent enjoyment, mercy promotes loyal love. This is beautiful. In other words, God doesn't care where you go and how far you've gone. He wants to not let what you're going through shut off your enjoyment faucet. In other words, when, when you go through the valleys of the shadow of death, when you go on mountains, he says he doesn't want the mountains and the valleys to define your life, but he wants his presence to define your life so that's why he says when I look behind me and I'm trying to run I hear myself being stalked by two twins and when I look behind me and I wonder what in the world is going on I can see two twins one called goodness and one called mercy standing beside me and walking behind me. I've gone through some trials, goodness and mercy was there. I gone through some sickness, but goodness and mercy was there. I went through hell and high water, but goodness and mercy was there. I went through some brokenness, but goodness and mercy was there. I went through some brokenness in my finances, but goodness and mercy was there. I wonder if if anybody in this place ever been through anything where you can recognize and worship the Lord for the fact that his goodness and his mercy satisfies you forever and ever. I love the fact that this passage ultimately points to Jesus Christ as the Good Shepherd. Jesus Christ says, I'm the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The only reason you get to experience goodness and mercy is because Christ laid down his life for goodness and mercy to stalk you all of your life. Because before you met Jesus, hell was stalking you. The devil was stalking you. Uh, uh, all types of things were stalking you, but in the midst of them still trying to stalk you You're like a running back in the Super Bowl goodness and mercy are your blockers through life Help me today, but it's interesting that this st- that is behind you Not in front of you because the stuff that's trying to get at you is the stuff that God already put behind you So goodness and mercy stands behind you to keep what you left behind from catching up with you Or oh, you should have shouted on that moment that, as you should have shouted. That's why I'm so glad he's my shepherd. Uh, he leads me. He restores my soul. Uh, yes, through he, though I walk, I walk through. I will fear no evil. It's personal. Uh, you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table for me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. That's why I'm so glad. He's the faithful and true witness. He's the finisher of our faith. He's the first and the last. He's the first begotten. He's the firstborn. He's the foundation. He is the forerunner. He's the friend of sinners. He is the gift of God. He is the God of Israel. He's the God blessed forever. He's the God manifested in the flesh. Y'all know him, don't you? He's God of Israel and our Savior. He is God of the whole earth. You ought to be worshipping with me right now. He is God and Savior. He is God's dear son. He is the great shepherd of the sheep. He is the only blessed and true potentate. He is the mediator of the covenant. He is the Messiah. Don't y'all know him? (laughs) He's a mighty God. He's the mighty God of Israel. He is the mighty one of Jacob. He is the mighty one to save. He is the minister of the great sanctuary. He is the bright and morning star. He is the most holy. He is the most mighty. He is our shepherd. He is the bishop of our souls. He is the chief shepherd of our souls. He is the good shepherd of our souls. He is the great shepherd of our souls. He is the chief shepherd. And if that don't get you, he is a way maker. He is a heart fixer. He is a mind regulator. He is a way over a troubled water. He is a way under. He is a way around. As a matter of fact, he's everything I need. And i'm so glad that i don't have to worry about anybody coming after me i could just be excited for the fact that the great god who sits high but looks low comes in and stands instead for me that's why i worship him that's why i lift my hands that's why i glorify him that's why i honor him that's why he's the great god he is the mighty manifesto of all things. that's why i'm excited to celebrate the lord god taking good care of you if god is taking good care of you i wish i had about 40 people that would stand to their feet and clap their hands and praise the god of heaven for recognizing that he takes he takes good care of you